privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Thank you very, very much. And we're here to expand your consciousness in a bunch of different directions. So let's grab your interest and start with some interesting words like interest, interpersonal, interspecies, and intergalactic. And now let's go to today's pithy phrase. Low probability coincidences deserve a search for explanation. Yes, tossing them off as chance can miss some useful potential causes to tell us about how our reality works. Yeah. And let's keep adding some new words to our lexicon where we talk about coinciders. Coinciders are people who experience meaningful coincidences become insiders together, looking at the meanings of synchronicities. We compare our experiences and find that the world is not the way conventional material reality defines it. Our minds are immersed in our mental atmosphere, the psychosphere, through which we can be telepathic, clairvoyant, and sense the future and find our own human GPS. Sharpen your sensitivity to coincidences Examine their potential uses and explanations. Read my book, Connecting with Coincidence, and learn along with me. Synchronicity, spoken here. Our guest today is Etzel Cardenia, who holds the, holds the endowed Thorson Chair in Psychology at Lund University in Sweden where he directs the Center for Research on Consciousness and Anomalous Psychology. His areas of research include extraordinary anomalous experiences, which include psi phenomena and other anomalous experiences, and he looks at the relationship between anomalous experiences and psychopathology. He also studies the stream of consciousness. At the University of Texas Pan American, he was chair at the Department of Psychology and Anthropology and 
artist in residence at the Department of Drama. His work has garnered many awards. He has more than 300 scientific publications. Among them is The Varieties of Anomalous Experiences, published by the American Psychological Association, which is a great advance in, in parapsychology. He is also the artistic director of the International Theater of Malmo and has published articles on performance and art, co-created art installations, and directed and performed and written for theater in Mexico, the United States, and Sweden. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bernie. Very glad to have you here, Etzel. Um, you published a groundbreaking article in the American Psychologist this year. Uh, that had experimental evidence for psi experiences and ideas about how to explain them. Would you please summarize that excellent article for us? Well, this will take a number of hours, but I will try to do it in a couple. Of <laughs> <minutes>. <laughs> uh, well, this is going to be this is going to be for the introduction of, of yes. many ideas. I know that. So, what I did was to. Uh, take seriously the research that has been carried out on what is called parapsychology or side phenomena and look at the accumulated evidence, accumulated scientific evidence. Uh, so what I did was to find out what are the meta-analyses, that is the cumulative statistical analysis of results um, obtained in the last maybe decade or so and I compare them side by side. There were more than 10 meta-analyses on more than 10 different phenomena. And then what I did was to talk how that compares to what we might call mainstream psychology, cognitive psychology, social psychology. And the take-home message is that the level of evidence, while being far from perfect, is very much comparable to the evidence that we have for some areas in psychology, for some areas in medicine. It is not better, but it is not worse. Uh, so I did that. And the other the other two things that I do in that article is first to... I, mean, I think that what you just said is so important that we need to reemphasize it, uh, that the level of evidence is as good as much of the evidence for ideas in psychology and for treatments in medicine. Uh, yes. And and you bringing parapsychological ideas to that level of scrutiny and uh, comparativeness is a, an extremely important thing to have done. It's been done in various pieces before, but never in a mainstream article and done so thoroughly as this. So here we have parapsychological ideas, which I'm going to ask you to define right now in a, in a minute, being able to be substantiated to the level of ideas in psychology and medicine. Mm -hmm. And that should mean something, but we're going to run into a problem, of course, and you'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, what, what do you mean by parapsychology? Well, in parapsychology, first, it is the scientific study of certain phenomena. And what I mean by scientific is that those of us who are in this field just use the same scientific method and argumentation and rhetoric as is used in conventional science. Uh -huh. so we end up doing experiments, throw, uh, showing our data, getting into arguments with both uh, people who are supporters, people who are critic, respond to when there is a reason to respond to. So we, and we end up using the same kind of procedures that are used in mainstream science. So I'm talking in parapsychology not at, as having unusual experiences only, but at, at using the, the toolkit that has been provided by the scientific method. And what we study uh, in parapsychology is, to put it in one phrase, and then I will sort of untangle it a bit, is the hypothesis that mind is not con constrained only by the senses and reason. In one phrase, that's what it is. Yeah, and, and that Yes, and that includes things like uh, telepathy, clairvoyance, and precognition, among other things. Exactly, because behind this notion that the mind is not constrained by the senses or by reason, what uh, we are also implying is that we have evidence that we end up being affected by things or by events that are either spatially or temporally distant. 
Yes. Um, but especially distant is maybe something happens to my wonderful, beautiful wife, and I sense something at that moment, and I call her right away. Is everything all right? And there was something that was happening uh-huh. at exactly that moment, yeah. something that is not that unusual. If you start asking around people, they will tell you, well, yes, that has happened to me. They, they may not call it perhaps psychology. They may not think about it, but it is not that unusual. So that may be something that is geographically distant or temporally distant. Yeah. When it seems that we dream about something that with a certain detail that ends up happening the following day. And it is something that we could not reasonably had just um, deduced it from the information we had. Yes. And some of those things may be trivial. Some of them may be important, but some of them may be trivial, but it may be sort of a quote-unquote chance, or as you might call it, a coincidental encounter with a friend you had not seen in a long time. You dreamed about this friend. You hadn't dreamed about him or her as far as you can remember for a long time. And lo and behold, the following day, just by quote-unquote coincidence, you end up meeting him or her. So there it would seem that some event that is happening in the future is affecting you. And my, now, I, and my way of, of approaching this is using the word coincidence mm-hmm. because, because almost like anomalous, it's it's a, uh, a word that doesn't have uh, that much baggage to it the way maybe uh, telepathy has come mm-hmm. to have. So I am asking people through the use of the word coincidence to examine much of what you were just describing. Yes. And in some way, when you start also looking, the other thing that I did in the article was to take the, if you will, conceptual bull by the horns and deal with the issue that a number of critics, and believe me, there are far fewer critics than people believe. Most scientists don't care one way or the other. Some of them may be curious. No, but we have surveys on this, and the majority of scientists actually would say that this this is an era worth pursuing, but the people who are vehemently against it, just speak and and scream sometimes a lot. So people assume, oh, most scientists think this way, and that's not true. It's just a very vocal minority. Thank Uh, you. Thank you. That's good to know. Yes. Oh, that is is very much the case, and we have substantial evidence. But what I did was to sort of take the notion of the typical criticism that is being done, this is impossible. The phenomena that you're talking about, we should not even consider because they violate the laws of nature. <laughs> and then I, I went to review. I'm not a physicist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just a, a humble psychologist. But I looked at a number of models and theories that have been pro- propounded during the last number of decades that are consistent, at the very least, with the phenomena that we find in parapsychology. Now, we're coming, we're coming to the end of this segment, and I want to leave the next segment for us to discuss the theories, because the theories are very, very important. As you're, as you're saying, people want to have some way of explaining these strange events, and they often argue, and regular people do too, they, how do you explain this? They want to know some way to be able to talk about it, and that's what we're going to be able to be, get to in our next segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our guest is Etzel Cardenia. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com.
Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and that is me. And our guest today is Etzel Cardenia, who has published a remarkably important article in the American Psychologist about parapsychology. And we are now going to be treated with the various theories about how psi phenomena work. Okay. Uh, well, let me talk about physical theories and let me talk about psychological theories. Good. And with regard to physics, I think one of the major issues that a number of critics and people in general do not consider is that various models in contemporary physics would posit, as a famous book, very popular book these days, Carlo Robelli, Carlos Robelli's title says, that things are not as they seem. And in this case, what we're talking about is that the way that we perceive time and space are not very likely the ultimate or the definitive way in which these dimensions occur. So to put it more concretely, um, uh, quantum uh, theoretical physicists like eminent people like the Spagnat have said, well, despite our perception that we are just separate creatures in just thrown in the universe with various separate things that may sometimes interact, the reality would seem to be is that we are interconnected, that we are somehow in some way being part of something like a very large field that we may not be able to understand or describe completely, but that we are not isolated beings or isolated objects. So if you take that notion, then the fact that something that is happening somewhere else geographically affecting you should not be that much of, of a surprise. It may be that somehow in some ways that we do not fully understand, but something occurring in what looks like a different place may be actually affecting you because they are not different places. We are interconnected. So that is with regard to space. With regard to time, um, also various studies, particularly in quantum mechanics, have, have ended up throwing the really... Uh, puzzling idea that things that may happen in the future seem to affect, and I'm not even talking about human beings, but about particles, that some event that is determined in the future affects what happened in the past. So some people, critics says, well, that happens in particles, why it is not relevant to us, but we are made of particles. 
And in some ways, one should not be thinking that there is like a physics for everything else, and then there is a different physics for human beings or living beings. We are all part of what this is. So uh, even though there is no fully agreement because the physicists fight as much probably as we psychologists do, and they don't fully agree on everything, all of them, uh, there are various respectable models that in the world we may be interconnected at that time is not the way that we experience it only. That I, is I have, I, I can do space mm-hmm. more easily than I can do movement on time. Yes. Uh, is, is that true of you too? Meaning you can I mean, do it. I mean, I mean conceptually, I can, okay. I can, I can feel something from someplace else at the same time. I can, I can see that interconnection by space, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't like uh, entangled particles. Yes. But I, I can't do like uh, change something in the future that changes something in the past very well. I can't by doing that. I mean conceptualize it in a way that feels okay to me. Well, except, you know, perhaps we do not have the best language to think about it, because uh-huh. even as you, speak, you say, changing something in the future, changing something in the past. Yeah. Well, what has passed probably cannot be, cannot be changed, but that does not mean that something happening later on may not affect what is about to happen now. And the same way that you may be, for example, persuaded by studies on entangled particles, the same kind of experiments are done in which you end up determining, let's say, the spin of a particle later, uh, but have measured previously the entangled particle, and uh, even though you ended up determining the spin later on, which immediately ends up determining the other entangled particle, uh, what happens is that what you did later affects what you have already found in your scan, what you already had in your measuring equipment. So those kinds of experiments are very equivalent. People in physics talk about retrocausation, I think, increasingly as a possible event. And uh, I think from the revolutions in the earlier part of the 20th century, both Einsteinian and quantum mechanics, uh, one should take the the perception that we have of time with... Yeah. more than a grain of salt and say you yeah. had our experience but not more and I would say even in our experience psychologically yeah. you know, one of the things that Freud himself was pointed out in the interpretation of dreams is and we all experience this I think is that the past sometimes seems to be completely in the present you may be in a dream about some past event and that is your present at this moment and you might say, well, that is just your experience, but experience is what we are. Yes. yes. Uh, so uh, what is the nature? How can it be that a memory seems to all of a sudden be so pregnant that it takes priority over what you experience right now? Maybe perhaps something related to how something that it happens that happens in the future is also related to what you're experiencing right now. So I, I do not have more problems with that, I guess, than with... Yeah, uh, and, with I, and I, I, still, I still do. I'm trying to stretch my mind around what you're talking about. And I can, it's helping me what you're tell, telling me. Uh, what about the idea that, that we live in a, a, a... As human beings, we live in a Newtonian world also, that somehow having all these particles that make up our bodies uh, makes it different from a single particle uh, in, in, in an experiment. Yes, well, I think that only goes so far. Yes, of course, people would say the kind of uncertainty that you find at the particle level ends up being resolved when you are having the interaction of, of particles. But increasingly, people have been doing research showing that, for instance, entanglements or entangled, uh, par- entangled objects that originally had only been seen at the particle level are increasingly seen, for example, in living organisms in plants. Uh, so more and more we are finding out that the scale of entanglement is going, is coming closer and closer to let's say, <laughs> us, just yeah. a collection of particles. And that is of course also not considering the fact that what we know now is probably something that 
people in the future that scientists, if we do not blow ourselves up or do something else like that, uh, that scientists in the future are going to be laughing about because they may say, well, they had all of these wrong ideas, wrong ways of thinking about it or talking about it. Uh, and so I do not assume, even though some uh, people may think that whatever they read in the last book they read about physics is the ultimate definitive yeah. view. I do not see that. People who have been thinking that way for decades have been wrong every We've been wrong all, all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping from what you're saying, the scientists in the future will change the way we're thinking now. Well, wouldn't that be good? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've done some of the particle physics or the quantum physics ideas. Um, we have about three minutes left in this segment, but you were going to also talk about if you don't, if you if you've well, done that part of it, because space and time are so important in trying to change the way we think about psi phenomenon. What about psychological aspects of your theory? There are, I would say, there are two main things, two main ideas that I want to. Uh, drive in, and I think I may be able to do that in the two minutes or so that are, that are pending. The first one is that instead of people thinking that one becomes aware or perceives something paranormal every so often, if at all, uh, I think the more credible ideas is that probably the kind of information that may be geographically or temporally distant is affecting us all the time, but it is uh -huh. affecting us in a non-conscious way. Yeah. And we are not aware of that until there is something that becomes uh, so salient that we become conscious of it until we think, oh, I suddenly had a big hunch that somebody very close to me is having a problem. But that does not mean that that is the only time when you were affected. It just means that that was the event that became conscious, but you have been affected all the time. And there are a number of... Um, projects now in perhaps psychology that have been shown suggestion that people are affected non-consciously, that they may be affected physiologically without even realizing it. So that is the first idea, that we are non-consciously receiving this information. The second one is that what becomes more salient is obviously, obviously has to do with emotions, with what drives us as human beings. So when we have done studies, it becomes very clear that it is more likely that a person will show an effect when it has to do something with a strong emotion, maybe a connection with somebody who's near and dear. And yeah. maybe when yeah. that event is important, when that has to do with an accident or something extraordinary. So uh, I would say that uh, uh, what we get from the psychological theories both talks about how we are unaware of many things, which is something that we know as well from mainstream psychology, and also about how important emotions and motivations are. Yes. Uh, the, the idea that it's all around us, that psi phenomena all around us, is consistent with our living in this, uh, this soup of what I call energy and information uh, mm. that we are able to pick up because we're in it. It's kind of like being a fish in a, a pond. Uh, it's all around us, but there's certain things that call our attention to it. Uh, we're, we're, we'll come to the end of, of this segment. Uh, and this is great conversation, Ethel. Thank you. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And our guest is Ethel Cardenia, author of a groundbreaking article in The American Psychologist. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. 
Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Yeah, but I do. We're back with Etzel Cardenia talking about psi phenomenon, talking about telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, talking about the mind immersed in something greater that we are more connected than uh, we tend to believe, and that psi phenomena are evidence of that of that or those connections with with other people, with our surroundings, and Etzel published a paper in the American Psychologist this year that summarized the research information about parapsychological events. And we've been talking about theories about how they might take place. And so what has been the reception of this groundbreaking paper? Uh, well, I'm sure there are many things that I do not know about. <laughs> uh, there are blogs and I'm sure groups and uh, probably there are a few witchcraft dolls that have my <laughs> my image with a lot of needles crossing me. Um, I am fine despite that possible things. Even For, though we're all connected, the needles didn't get to you, huh? Yes, because I will tell, and I tell this to my students, we have evidence that intention can have an effect that from well-controlled studies that if you have the intention of affecting let's say a person trying to make him or her more calm and relaxed that you will find a significant effect but typically the effects are small so when you end up collapsing all of the information you will find that on average the person when you were trying to affect them to become calmer become a bit calmer but that does not mean that when you thought that, they ended up collapsing and falling on the floor and had narcolepsy. And I always tell my student, because that's not the way it works, it would, we would not have survived if that's how it worked. If intentions were that powerful, I tell them, I would have already killed a number of people in my life. <laughs> but I would have been killed perhaps even earlier by my yes, students. I right. <laughs> number of my students. <laughs> who, the federales, who knows? Yes, exactly. Uh, after I end up giving the first grades, that would have been the last day of my life. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't work that way. People who are hated uh, continue by many, continue to be alive. People who are loved continue to to try but sometimes to to have suffering and to die despite the best intentions so and i know probably this is not what you were expecting but i find really morally reprehensible when people talk about notions that if you only wished something strongly enough this would come to be yeah that, that, that that's the idea behind the book the secret correct uh, that you can sit there and imagine and then it comes true and you got to do something to make it happen. Yes, but oh, you know, what I say to, to that kind of belief is uh, go and tell that to the little Yemeni babe, girl who just died out of hunger plus the many millions of people who have ended up being killed by all kinds of barbarian, sadist uh, 
assassins from all kinds of stripes. Are you going to tell me that they didn't wish enough not to be killed? Or yeah. it's just incoherent. Yes. But, yeah, all of the evidence that we have is that yes, we can affect, but the effects are small. Um, can you are, say? Can you say where the effects are larger between two people who are emotionally connected with each other? The effects of intention. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. But even then, you have limits. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know that I have had uh, close people and close cats because uh, I have always been taken care of, and I have taken care of cats as well. And sometimes they have, um, when they were dying, they were suffering. And I can assure you that I intended as strongly as I could that they would not suffer. And I could not do much. Um, some of them continue to, to have problems. There. So there are obvious strong limitations yes, yes. as to the power of intention. And that is how it has to be. We would not have survived, as I mentioned, if... Intentions have that kind of ability, you would not have survived. In addition to the notion that, well, let's assume that you want something really strongly. Well, what about the people who want exactly the opposite? Is, is some kind of uh, referee, cosmic referee, sort of counting how many, you know, how many units of wish? The, the people for are against the people who are against. It just becomes incoherent and to me, silly and, and as I tell you, morally reprehensible. What about group? What about group intention? Oh, I think there is something to it. Uh, there is research, for instance, of Dean Ray. Uh, not of Dean Ray, it's so much of um, Roger Nelson has a project called uh, the Global Consciousness Project and his theory, and he has some data to back this up, is that when a historical event occurs that affects many people in the globe, that this effect ends up affecting the output of random, random number generators that before this event are typically just spurting out numbers completely at random. So to put it simply, you end up having a distribution of exactly 50% of ones and 50% of zeros. And then here comes September 11, and when you look at his graphs, even before it has happened, and here we talk a bit about recognition, yeah. you start seeing a deviation of the distributions so yeah. that they become significantly different from random. Yeah. So there, there is another alternative explanation to how this may work, but at least the one by Roger Nelson is that somehow when we all as a community end up being affected by something very large, we end up having a small effect, if you will, on the fabric of at least random number generators or maybe to the fabric of, of life. But even so, this, the effects are small. No, we are just by wishing it, we are doesn't not make, going to make it. Wishing doesn't make it so. Yes. Very slightly. Very slightly. Very slightly. Yes. We got to this talking about uh, reactions to your paper. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So, so what are some of the other reactions that you've gotten besides the guesses well, you might have? The ones that I have got, this is the paper that I have got more requests for reprints. Huh. I, I have also some of the papers that have been popular, but at least as far as I can tell, this is the one that I, where I have gotten most requests, and non, not only from psychologists, but from people from other disciplines. So that I know. Uh, I also know that I have had sort of good um, good rights out in the British Psychological Society. Um, someone wrote something along the lines of, um, Cardenia shows that perhaps psychology has not been given the right treatment, has not been treated fairly, something along those lines. I heard even among the folks in Wikipedia who are typically anti-parapsychology, and there uh. is a small group of what they call guerrillas, psych guerrillas, who are just trying to uh, smear everyone who does work in parapsychology. But even in Wikipedia, I heard that there was someone who had called my paper exquisitely reliable when somebody was trying to say, well, you should not consider that paper. Uh, it's not scientific enough, and most of these people, as far as I can tell, don't have advanced degrees, they haven't done any studies whatsoever, but they think that they are much smarter than everybody else. 
but even so there was somebody who liked it a lot so so far i think it hasn't been a big op uh, upturn of uh, many people responding to it but the uh, feedback that i have gotten but has been very good very positive people have liked what they think is fair treatment of both what we know and what we do not know because i also make the case in the paper that circumstances are, are far from ideal there is a lot more yeah. that we don't know that we know and that probably if we ever get closer to what the nature of these phenomena are uh, or the nature is that it's very likely to be very different than what we think than yeah. what we think it is today I, i'll give i'll give you uh, my my use of your paper. Um, I do a blog for Psychology Today, and I've written the words telepathy uh, s several times in various blogs. And finally, some of the editors didn't want me to do that anymore. Uh, and I, I, I was a little surprised, but not surprised. Somehow, you got to stay away from that edgy stuff they wanted me to do. And I I had and your paper came out right. I got a hold of your paper around the around that time, and what I have started to try to do with them is use the term anomalous experience rather than use psi phenomenon or telepathy, and told them that's what I would do in the future. It looked to me that's what you use the word the phrase anomalous experiences to do also. Well, not quite, not really. Ah, no. For me, an anomalous experience is just an experience that for a particular culture at a particular time is unusual. Ah, good. It's more general. That's the way I hoped you meant it. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. Because I would say having synesthesia is an anomalous experience. Yes. It doesn't mean that it is parapsychological, but when people are are seeing colors when they hear C sharp, that's, <laughs> that's not parapsychological, but it is unusual. Certainly that doesn't happen to me. I'm about to go to a concert. I, I would love if that were to happen, but it does not. So anomalous experience is just <laughs> a number of unusual beliefs, uh, or unusual not beliefs, unusual experiences for a culture at a time. And I always stress for a culture at a time, because what is unusual for us now is probably not unusual for another culture at another time. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so I, I'm still having to wrestle with how to use uh, telepathy. I've, I've invented a term, simulpathity, which is the ori original meaning of telepathy. Telepathy used to mean feeling at a distance, telepathy, yeah. and mm -hmm. then it became uh, much more cognitive. And so uh, simulpathity is feeling at the same time at a distance. We've come to we're coming to the end of this segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the net on the X Zone Broadcast Network. We're having a great discussion with Etzel Cardenia. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today. Path Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes, composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, 
create sacred space in which to live and work, empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried and true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading-edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm Dr. Brian Beitman, MD, your host. And we're talking to Etzel Cardenia, and we are getting the science of a subset of coincidences that we might call psi phenomena, among other things. A subset of these anomalous experiences in our culture that have to do with suggesting that we're more linked with each other than we know at a distance, and that we get to time. And time maybe is more fluid than Einstein ever thought. Well, other people think. <laughs> and Etzel, um, you are, I'm a psychiatrist, so uh, I'm very interested in uh, how you study uh, mental problems uh, as they relate to anomalous experiences. Great. I was hoping that you would ask me that because uh, I think from the research of a number of people, including a bit of my own research, it is clear that most people who have anomalous experiences such as feeling that they are psychic or having near-death experiences or um, having even a third of the people who hallucinate do not have psychopathology. Yeah. That is, people who may see or hear things that other people do not are not necessarily people who have psychological problems. Yeah. So one of the things that that I end up emphasizing is that having an unusual experience by itself is not indicative of anything other than that, that you had an unusual experience for a particular culture at a particular time, that's it. But whether that ends up disturbing your uh, psychological balance uh, depends on many things. Let's take the example of hallucinations. As a psychiatrist, you know that oftentimes one of the definitions of schizophrenia and the positive symptoms has been that a person is having both uh, delirium uh, or delusions and hallucinations. And that indeed can happen to people who are psychologically disturbed. But there we have accounts of about a third of people who hear voices that are fine, that are not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, baby, I'm for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hear voices. Yeah, go ahead. Not to mention that we have had some great people in the past that heard voices or saw things that other people did not and were considered to be paragons of rationality. The example, Winston, the, Chir Winston Churchill, for example. Well, he's not exactly my paragon. Okay, okay. Give us some names. Yes. He was a colonialist. He, he liked to have empire. Uh, he had a marked history. Don't, he, he wasn't just a hero. But Socrates is the one I would talk about. Uh. And Socrates, one of the essential pioneers, one of the maybe the, the first great figure in Western philosophy, yeah. the voice that he called a diamond oh, yeah. uh, that later on ended up being transformed to demon. But in that case, it did not mean at all anything negative. It just mean, meant something like a spirit. And he wasn't at all the only one who heard it. People in classical Greece wrote about the possibility of having that experience. 
and and it is reported i think it was by to see that so or you can check in one of my papers but it has been reported that hearing that voice saved his skin one time that when he was a soldier which he was when he was younger uh, he was with other colleagues and they came to a fork in the road and the other soldiers wanted to take a path and then this voice warned him not to go that way so he does not follow with with his comrades and they all end up getting killed because they end up encountering the enemy and he ends up being on scath. It's a lot so, like the people who don't get on the airplane or take the train. He, correct. And of course, there are still a number of people who take it, but we, to what extent were the people who are their voices particularly sensitive, to what extent people who ended up dying did not follow an intuition, we really do not know. But certainly we have good anecdotes and what you said at the beginning, sometimes when you have what is called a striking coincidence, it is not really just easy to think that it was chance event. Right. So if if you haven't been hearing voices ever in your life and you have been traveling many times and then suddenly as you are about to, uh, to go into a plane, you hear a strong voice telling you, do not do it, you'll die. And that happens, and, and the plane ends up crashing, and you did not take it. I would say this is not just, I think, a chance coincidence. If you were not hearing voices before, if this was not at all what was happening, you need to explain it. And I would like some skeptic to say, how could this happen with that precision, with that unusual event? And of course, it hasn't happened one time. It has happened thousands, perhaps millions of times in the history of humanity. Yes. People experiencing things that were very precise, very accurate, and that were very far away from their ordinary, typical experiences. And and just to so pause for a minute, just to pause for a minute, Etzel, mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate you know, what you're saying because you're giving me personally more confidence in my own experiences because I hear voices too, and I look for them. I look for guidance from them. I'm open to the possibility they can tell me something. And under under different conditions, I'm more accessible to those voices than other times. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think what you do with voices, it is not either, as I think you may read in some books, ah, there is always a wise voice that is trying to, to contact <laughs> you. Well, it might be a wise voice. It might be something that is just a misinterpretation of what is going on in your vocal cords. You really, what you need to do is being empirical. Yes. You say, when this happens, did it give me good advice? So if your yes. voices are giving you good advice that ends up being accurate and perhaps giving you information about something you might not have known, by all means, heed them. Uh, does that mean that they're going to be right all of the time? No, but who is? <laughs> uh, but who oh, is? But have... being empirical about... Yes the general idea of intuition, because uh, feelings come out too that are kind of urges rather than words. And knowing which urge, which voice, which sound, which sense internally uh, to pay attention to is an empirical study. Absolutely. And one of the paradoxical things is that many of the critics of our studying, doing research on this phenomena, that they say, well, no, they do not believe in this, they're empiricists. They are not. They are no. just disregarding a lot of events that are happening, not daring to look at them, to propose, if they have a better explanation than we do, by all means, let's hear it. But they do not even get to that point. No, it, it, I, I, I so much run into, and you have too, about the bottom line basic belief system of the person I am talking with. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty simple to find that out. I can bounce off some and then hear others. But in the remaining several minutes, let's go, let's, let's, let's talk more about psychopathology and help some of our listeners think about uh, how to, how to think themselves about anomalous experiences. Yes, sure. I have a paper with a colleague uh, from Brazil. And what we did was to try to have a sense partly based on research, partly based on our thinking more about it, of what are some of the conditions that are more likely to, to predict that a person is having problems. Yeah. And one of them is not having control of whatever the experience is. So if you're hearing voices, 
but you have to talk to me and you are able to put the voices back and do something that is important professionally for you. I say, keep on hearing voices. Mm-hmm. They're not affecting you. On the other hand, if you had a job interview and that was important and the voices started disturbing you, that would be a problem. So not having control of what is occurring. The other one is having sort of frequency. If you have a voice that is talking to you and giving you good advice every so often, that's fine. If you had a permanent voice that was commenting on everything you did, that would probably be difficult to live. <laughs> it would yes. be. <laughs> it's having your mother, uh, a very intrusive mother, with you all the time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So um, frequency has something to do with it. Yes. Uh, to what extent that experience is associated with having negative emotions. So yeah. if the voice that is talking to you is is telling you you are a horrible person, your paper sucks, <laughs> you <laughs> waited everybody's time, that is not going to be likely a positive experience as a voice that suddenly tells you no that way or think more about what you're doing or consider this aspect that you are disregarding. So the content of the voice, to what extent it is bringing about negative emotions or the contrary, or at least neutral, that also makes it, it makes a big difference. Well, let me, let me, in the remaining minute or a half or so, what about delusions? Well, uh, I, I think the people who work on that, <laughs> basically, and this is important since you are right now in the US and I was there, uh, have <laughs> stated that uh, delusions are around the eye of the beholder and what we think are pathological delusions are probably more an exaggeration of kind of mechanisms that we all do. We all tend to believe things that other people think are idiotic. You just had, or we had, I'm an American citizen, an election where I don't know how many millions of people thought that the other millions of people are just full idiots and vice versa. So they may not be psychiatrists who are going to use the language of you have a delusion, but in a sense they are thinking that, at least many of them. Well, when we think of delusion, we tend to think of it as a, um, a single one that one person holds rather than a group. It's a, it can be a group delusion, but, mm-hmm. I, but a paranoid delusions, and we're coming to the end of this, is yes. kind of the direction I was thinking about, is that sometimes uh, when you're paranoid, you're not paying, if you're not paranoid, you're not paying attention. You, do, you do pick up things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there are some people who do elaborate uh, delusions when gets them in a lot of trouble. But we've come to the end of this. And so, uh, it's been a real delight having you on the, sh- on the show and talking with you. It's, it's really been great. So thank you very much for, for being on the show. Thank you, Bernie. You- Good luck with your dance and other activities. Thanks. You've been listening and connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Biden, MD, and the X-Zone Broadcast Network. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 
15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.